journey through Micah 6, uh, 6 through 8. You heard it once before, but repetition is, is good, and so you're going to hear it again. So hear now the words from the prophet Micah. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to God with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take pleasure in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Or shall I give God my firstborn? for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. God has told you, mortal one, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, I want to say a word of thanks uh, to you for being so kind and gracious to your guest preacher last week, to Jeff. Um, I'm thankful to Paul and Shelly and making sure uh, he got where he needed to go. I called him Wednesday. I was not feeling well, and I said, I I need you to preach. Uh, I have known him since sixth grade, so it was dangerous to ask him to do that. Uh, And I'm I'm thankful for Grace and for Jeff. I I told you two weeks ago that God's requirement in Micah to do justice, uh, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God is a requirement that I think we need to be dwelling on daily. We need to take it seriously, and I think we need to make this a part of who we are. Because from my perspective, we are in a season of culture and life when it feels like people are running short of all three of those things. New York Times columnist David Brooks, he wrote an article recently called How America Got Mean. (laughs) And he says this, we inhabit a society in which people are no longer trained in how to treat others with kindness and consideration. Our society has become one in which people feel licensed to give their selfishness free reign. And this is just one reason I think it necessary to spend the year thinking through Micah 6, 8, because I wonder what it might say to our community, what it might look like to Noonan if we took special effort to take God's requirements seriously. I wonder what would happen if we, if you, took on justice, kindness, and humility. My hope would be that folks who come to know you might come to know justice. I hope that people might experience a kindness in you that they've been missing. And I hope that we might all walk humbly together. I heard a good story about kindness the other day from one of our own. A lot of you know Alan and Kristen Bell. Alan's the head of our church council. They've been members here for a while. What you don't know is that Their family does a big camping and hiking trip every year. And this year, Alan told me they took the kids and the grandkids. They did what Alan told me were some of the hardest hikes hikes he's ever done. And he told me that they were going up this one trail in particular that was was pretty much 2,000 feet straight up. The elevation was killing him. And he said he started struggling. Alan said he got to the point where his son-in-law had to carry his pack (laughs) the rest of the way up. And everybody actually made it up to the summit before, before Alan could, about 30 minutes ahead of him. And when he finally got there, he said, everybody was there, all three kids, grandkids too, and everybody was just clapping for him. <laughs> he had made it. And he said, I sat down quickly, and Alan said, I was exhausted. And that's when the youngest of the grandkids, Isabel, who's two and a half, she saw how exhausted her dado was, and she declared to the group, I'm going to give Dado a hug. It looks like he needs it. (laughs) Alan will tell you that he needed food. 
He needed hydration and electrolytes. He'll tell you he was exhausted. But from the impression I get, the impression I get from the story he tells is that the kindness of that child, that little girl's hug, might have done the greatest good. That might have been the spinach Popeye needed. It was sort of an immediate, it had an immediate healing effect. (laughs) Now, there are actual studies out there that show kindness does just that. Dr. Michelle Robin has been studying the effects of kindness for over 30 years. And in her study at UC Berkeley, she and other researchers found that kindness actually lends itself to higher self-esteem, to greater sense of self-efficacy, to less depression, to less anxiety, to improve physical health. It lowers your blood pressure. It lowers your risk for heart disease. It improves the immune system. And it improves sleep. And it turns out there is a kind of healing power to kindness. And I think Isabel was onto something when she gave her dad a hug. But it doesn't just do good for our mental and our physical states. Kindness, I think, does something far greater and it goes far deeper. This is what we see in the book of Micah. And if you don't remember, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, here's some things you should know. The people that Micah is talking to are the leaders and the priests, the elite of Judah, the southern kingdom. And they have been perpetrating some horrible things against their people. They've been bribing political officials. They've set up a system, a religious system, where you can receive a blessing as long as you pay the price. And they've also rigged the real estate market so that they get the best deals and the poor and the orphaned and the widow, they receive nothing. They, they only get poorer. That's what Micah sees happening. That's what the poor are witnessing, and that's what God sees. Of course, to the elite, to the leaders, to the perpetrators, everything seems like it's going really well. <laughs> Pastor Brett Younger writes that, that to them, Israel seemed like it was in the midst of a revival. The temple was crowded. The giving was over budget for the first time in years, but Micah... He says, knew something was wrong, and the leadership couldn't see it. They were so engaged in unethical behavior and practice, their lack of compassion and care had reshaped their view of the world. And in turn, it had shaped their hearts. They had become arrogant and uncaring. And I imagine if David Brooks had written a column in those days, I'm sure he would have written an article called, How Judah Got Mean. And with no room in their hearts, all room given to selfish intent. There was very little room for what what it was that God required. Very little room for kindness. The Hebrew word for kindness here, which is found over 250 times in the Old Testament, is pronounced hesed. And this word has many different meanings, all of which are kind of related. These are just a few of the meanings you might see for hesed. Concern for another person, compassion, kindness, commitment to provide care, providing aid to someone who has no expectation for it. And even this word, you'll see this word sometimes, loving kindness. I love that that is a word, (laughs) loving kindness. Now, at certain points in Scripture, hesed is also accompanied by an aspect of loyalty and covenant. So in Genesis 21, a guy named Abimelech, which is a name you don't hear much anymore, he's a local king, and he is afraid. He's afraid because Abraham, his opponent, is strong, and has quite a group following him. And so he asks from Abraham for an oath of mercy. And he said, God is with you, Abraham, in all that you do. So swear to me here by God that as I have dealt loyally and kindly with you, has said, you will deal with me. Here has said is an act. It's it's an act of reciprocal covenant mercy. In other words, show me kindness as you have been shown kindness. 
There's an early church father named Tertullian, another great name, and he says that this is exactly the definition of kindness that we should understand. True kindness, true has said, should be a care, a compassion that comes from an appreciation for the kindness that you have already been given. And he says, God expects people to act with the same divine mercy and compassion and kindness that has been bestowed upon them. That is Hesed, a kindness that is born from the belief that surely God has covered, is covering, and will cover me in kindness, so I must do likewise. And the cool thing about Hesed is that it begins to shape your insides to look more like kindness, to look more like mercy, to look more like grace, and in turn, our hearts begin to declutter the selfishness and make more room for God. God knows that kindness is good for us. God knows that showing mercy and compassion, has said, really can shape us and change our lives. And yes, it is good. It has physical benefits. It has mental benefits. But at its core, at its deepest level, kindness is a shaping of the heart to look more and more like God so that God can continue shaping and reshaping the world to look more as it was intended. In her book, The Sovereignty of Good, Iris Murdoch says that the essential moral act is casting a just and loving attention on other people. Normally, she says, we go about our days with self-centered, self-serving eyes. We see and judge people in ways that satisfy our own ego. We diminish and stereotype and ignore, reducing other people to bit players in our own all-consuming personal drama. But we become morally better, she says, as we learn to see others deeply, as we learn to envelop others in the kind of patient, caring regard that makes them feel seen, heard, and understood. This is the kind of attention, she says, that implicitly asks, what are you going through? It actually cares about the answer. Murdoch is describing a deep kindness, a kind of said that I think can only result from a knowledge and experience of divine kindness. It's interesting, the Wesleyan understanding of God, God is in the business of reshaping us, remolding us into that original image of God in which every human being was made. And one of the keys on that journey is kindness. We have been shown much kindness, and so why wouldn't we share it? So friends, in order to be remade and remolded into that godly image, we must travel that path of kindness. You see this in the very beginning. You see this Understanding in the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is known as the Day of Atonement, and in Leviticus 16, it is declared that on this day, from all your sins you shall be clean before the Lord. But do you know what the day before Yom Kippur is called? Erev Yom Kippur, the eve of Yom Kippur. And on this day, tradition holds that you are to seek forgiveness and repair relationships with your fellow human beings. The eve of the Day of Atonement is spent in acts of kindness between brother and sister before seeking to repair the relationship with God. This is why Jesus tells his disciples that if you bring an offering to the temple, but you have something wrong in a relationship, you have something that needs fixing with a brother or sister, leave everything. Drop it all right there and go deal with the relational issue first. 
and then come back and make your offering to God. And this is the same thing we see in Micah. The people say to God, we know we've done wrong. What offering can we bring? What religious ritual can we accomplish to make things right with you, O God? And God says to them, you know what is required. Justice, kindness to each other. If things aren't right between you, do you honestly think they're going to be right with God? If you can't fix the issues between each other, There's an old religious scholar named Roland Wolf. I'm killing it with the names today. Roland, and Dr. Wolf says that it is rather futile to talk about God unless we first come to respect the people around us. And then he quotes 1 John 4, 20. You might recognize recognize it. We are not likely to love God whom we have not seen unless we first come to love humanity who we can see. If we are unwilling to pay selfless and compassionate attention to one another, how on earth do we expect to come any closer to the divine maker who first paid selfless and compassionate attention to us? Kindness is an imperative. It is a requirement. It has healing powers. But more than the physical and the mental issues, it can heal relational estrangement. It can bridge eternal gaps. Friends, the stakes are monumental. And if you follow Jesus, kindness is a requirement. I've got one more story and then I'll be finished. Two Sundays ago, after worship, I went to visit some folks in the hospital. We actually had three folks there in one day and we'd had communion here. So I took our little communion packs with our our little to-go communion wafers and cups and I went to the hospital. And as I was visiting from room to room, I was approached by a nurse on the fifth floor who was watching what I was doing, and she said, are you a priest? Um, And I said, no, uh, I'm a Methodist. And she said, that might work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, She said, that might work. And I said, what do you need? And she said, well, there's a man in the hall who's not doing well. And his family has requested a priest to perform last rites. And so I said, okay, well, I can go check. And so I walked down the hall, Googling Catholic last rites as quickly as possible, trying to figure out what was expected. I've never done anything like this before. I entered the room, and a lady with a very sweet face approached me and introduced herself. And I was immediately struck by how kind she was. And I remember that because I thought to myself, why would she be like this when she is experiencing the death of a loved one? How can she be kind in the midst of this? So I told her, ma'am, I'm not Catholic, I'm Methodist. And she said, it doesn't matter. And she introduced me to the rest of the room and then to her husband, who was in the hospital bed, and was dying. He was near the end. He wasn't responsive any longer, but he was still with us for just a moment. And so I went about praying. I served communion to everybody in the room and on behalf of the gentleman in the bed. And I prayed a prayer of absolution. 
And I watched as this sweet woman gave every ounce of attention that she had to her husband. Everything she did, everything she said was covered with a kind of hesed, a kindness, a deep compassion. She held his hand to make sure he knew he wasn't alone. She spoke to him again and again in soft tones, it's going to be okay. And she wiped his forehead to cool him off. Friends, when I left that room, I knew that I'd been in the presence of a deep and a divine kindness. I'd been witness to a kindness that sought to surround a dying man with divine attention and mercy. And such a thing, I think, was born in this woman from a kindness that she had received from another world. From a God who at one point showed her such kindness and required nothing short of the same from her. I left that hospital wondering what our world could look like if the kindness that I had just witnessed in a room between a woman and her dying husband could be bottled and sold and practiced across our community, our nation, our world. Because that kindness carries with it an eternal value And we may may not see the results of it now. But friends, we are required to be a part of it. Our world needs some work. Our politics, our behavior, the way we talk to each other and about each other, the way we live with each other demonstrates to me that our hearts are a little bit cluttered. And we could do with a little bit more, has said, a little more kindness And I don't know, friends, that kindness is going to solve everything. I don't know that it fixes us, it fixes me or you, but it is a requirement. And I believe that God knows something that I don't. John Wesley said, all worldly joys are less than that one joy of doing kindness. So friends, when you leave here in a moment, be kind. In the good days, be kind. In the hard moments, be kind. In ordinary times, be kind. And in tragic circumstances, be kind. For what does the Lord require but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Let us pray. Gracious God, this morning I am thankful to acknowledge the fact that we are not alone. And God, you have tasked us with taking that message to the whole world, to look everybody in their eyes and say, you are not alone, there is a God who loves you and who has been kind to you in ways that are impossible to measure. God, remind us daily of the kindness that you have shown us in your Son and empower us to share that kindness to everyone we meet, today, tomorrow, and the weeks and months and years beyond. Help us, O God, to be kind. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, our closing hymn today is number 354, I Surrender All. We're going to sing all verses and if